Hello, everyone. Welcome again to another episode of 10 Minutes with Master Enchilada Roller. I have a very special guest here. Uh, of course, every every guest that shows up in my office is special. But today I'm, I'm talking with uh, John Fernandez, Senior VP of Operations for Gringos and uh, has been with the company. I think you're about the third longest yes, sir. Uh, tenured uh, person with the company. Ugo being uh, Ugo and I uh, being there since day one, January 11th of 93. And you came in and joined the company on uh, or in June of 95, correct? Yes, sir. Wow. So welcome. Yes, sir. Thank you. It's good to be here. And uh, the song you were listening to is photographed by Def Leppard. Yes, sir. And that's uh, Rick Allen, the drummer, had lost his arm, his left arm, in an automobile accident back in 1984. But he still wanted to play, and and the band actually allowed him to continue playing if he could show that he could, and he he did. And he actually injured his right shoulder as well. He had fractured that, but he was still able to play, and and they went on to create some incredible music, and uh, they've been around a long time. They have. I remember seeing them. I, I want to say it was the Hysteria tour. Uh-huh. Um, was the first time I saw them in action. And uh, when I saw them in action, um, it was the first time I saw where he was utilizing the drums with one arm. And I remember being in the crowd just in awe of what he could do with his feet. <laughs> do you remember your first concert? The first concert? You know, it was Def Leppard. I was a little older before I, I went to a concert i want to say it was def leppard and i want to say that it could have been the hysteria i want to say my first was fall cat if i remember oh, correctly wow. at the sam houston coliseum mm-hmm. uh, which is no longer there but um and then i saw um when i think of the houston coliseum i think of the wrestling i used to watch on yeah. tv with paul bosch <laughs> yep that's where mattress mac uh, used to advertise in the early was days it? right was it yeah, yeah i think so I, yeah i remember watching wrestling with my dad so john um Popped in the corporate offices today. He, he normally is, he's out in the field um, checking on our stores and does a great job and has a great eye for detail. Um, I wanted to bring him in because I wanted him to share some of the early day challenges of Gringos because, you know, when people drive by a successful restaurant, they think that they've always been that way and they just don't really understand the journey that it took to get to that point. And we're a prime example of, uh, of just uh, evolving over time to become the company that we are and the people that have helped create that, this company. And uh, I told John this many years ago and I, I'll, I'll tell him every day if I had to, but basically, um, you know, I, I told him that Gringos, had he never joined Gringos back in 1995, Gringos would probably still be around today, but it would not be the, the Gringos that we see today because he's been very involved and has been very instrumental in helping create the culture and in the early days really helping just make the company successful because of his uh, enthusiasm and excitement and uh, just his overall positivity uh, to drive and motivate the staff to do an excellent job. And so, John, I want to publicly say thank you again because uh, you you have helped build an incredible company. Well, thank you, sir. Um, it's it's an incredible company uh, to work for. Uh, and it's been a pleasure working for you as well. So I know um, we opened in 93, so and you joined in 95, so almost two years later is when you joined. But you and your brother, y'all lived a few streets over from the restaurant, and y'all would come in right. and eat lunch or dinner, and uh, there was just something about you that caught my attention early on. And I said, man, this is the kind of personality that I need in this company. And uh, it took a, a little convincing, but uh, you finally joined yes, the company. But what a lot of people don't realize is that you actually worked in that building 
uh, prior to being a Gringos because uh, you had worked there as when it was in El Toro. Yes, sir. And also when it was an old Galveston Seafood restaurant, correct? That's correct. Yes, sir. And um, and you you were a dishwasher under El Toro and uh, the Galveston. Yes, with Old Galveston, I was a little older, so I started off as a busboy and then moved into waiting tables, and then later I moved into the kitchen. Now you, so I was leading the kitchen at Old Galveston Seafood. Now, when you were a dishwasher for El Toro, you um, you were underage, technically, correct? Uh, yes, sir. When I started, um, it was your older brother, Tony, that gave me the opportunity there. I remember going to visit him, and, and uh, I told him, I, I'll work wherever you need it. And uh, he brought up, well, how about a dishwasher busboy uh, position. I said, absolutely. I'm ready to go. You have to understand, I didn't have a car at the time. And so there was only two places to pick from. It was the convenience store that's still there and uh, and then the El Toro building. And so I was ready to go. Uh, obviously com- convenient for commuting purposes. Yes, sir. I would cut the, cut across the yards to get there. I would just walk across. Yeah. Um, I, I wish they would allow young uh, the age to drop for kids to work because, right. I, you know, they, they try to balance it out between um, – their education, making sure they get their education and that right. work doesn't interfere with it. But really, uh, the best education any kid could get is going to work. I mean, yeah. really going to work and realizing that uh, in exchange for his services, he's rewarded with uh, wages. And once he understands that, uh, man, the, the, the future's his. I was, uh, I was 14. I told him I was 16, but things were a lot loose back then. And uh, so, but I know Tony figured it out pretty quick because either I was pretty slow in school <laughs> because I would have already been graduating, but I hadn't graduated yet. I was 16. I was there for two and a half years. It was actually the last two and a half years that El Toro was open. So you would come home uh, soaking wet if you worked in the yes, dishwasher, correct? Yes, sir. That's what it's funny. When I go in and I talk to the dishwashers, I tell them I remember the days uh, where, you know, my front half would be completely soaked, but my back would be dry. And uh, it's just from working the dish pit. I remember my mom uh, just walking into the, the store, I mean, to the house uh, after work. And my mom would be like, Mijo, why did you grab the newer tennis shoes? Because all she'd hear was whoosh, 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 as, I, as I walked home because they were, they were wet. You know, when you work the dish pit, you're going to get wet. So uh, years ago when I worked at uh, El Toro, um, I worked at the El Toro and Clute. Mm-hmm. And one Friday afternoon, um, because back in those days, we didn't have air conditioning in the kitchens. Yeah. So it got hot. The original. And one, one, yeah, the original Gringos didn't, didn't have, have it. Yeah. yeah. So um, one afternoon, uh, one August afternoon in the probably the late 70s, uh, I was 15, 16 years old, and um, the heat t- uh, set off the fire system, the fire suppression system. And we just went running out of the kitchen because all this white powder was just being sprayed everywhere. Wow. That's how hot it got in that kitchen. That was, you know, um, years ago, just kitchens, commercial restaurant kitchens did not have air conditioning. It didn't. Yeah. So, but nowadays, I mean, times have changed. Uh, it's all about creating a, an environment where people want to work and go back to work and actually make a career out of it because it's hard to, to want to work in that environment and, and call it your career. But uh, our dish pits today, they look like they're the Cadillac of Cadillacs. They are, they are great. And I'm glad that you've always, it's because you started there and I can relate because when I talk to the dish pit or the dishwashers, I tell them this is where I started. And uh, 
So uh, I'm glad that you have that perspective because, yes, our dish pits today versus dish pits of the past, there's a big difference. And it's funny that there's a certain personality of dishwashers. They, they, they want to work alone. They want to be by themselves. They, they don't want to interact with staff. Right. They just love being back there and taking care Routine. of their job. And, uh, and they enjoy it. And we need them. I mean, they're so important. What, one of the number one questions I asked when I uh, approach a dishwasher, because I do it every visit at every store. How is the equipment working? You know, that spray gun for them is their whole world. Right. And I remember that. So the moment it starts spraying elsewhere because the seal is on, is gone and it needs to be replaced, that's important for them. And we've got to make sure we jump on that as quickly as we can. Yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of abuse definitely in, in, in the equipment of our restaurants. So let me ask you, um, being with the company as long as you have, um, you were the general manager of the original Gringos for many years. Yes, sir. And uh, we've only had three uh, general managers, you, Danny Hanks, and now Matt Boucher. And that is our flagship. Yes, sir. And it's funny, when I say flagship, I think back to the story when El Toro built uh, the new place there on Garth. Right, right. <laughs> I don't want to make fun of my brother. I'm not going to say which brother because he, he'll probably get upset with me for saying this. But um, he, did a, he did an interview with the Baytown Sun. And uh, whenever they, uh, uh, I don't know what, what, what question they had asked him, but he said, yeah, this is our mothership. <laughs> not flagship. <laughs> and I thought that was pretty funny because the, the reporter actually put that as the headline, our mothership. <laughs> that was the funny. flagship. So I'm not going to, I have uh, six brothers and one sister. I'm not going to tell you which brother it was. Right. But anyway, I, I just thought that was funny. Right. Uh, so uh, going back going back to the early days, uh, some of the challenges that we had, one of them was parking. It was. And uh, you used to uh, be very involved in how we were able to stage our limited parking area. So share a little bit about that, because, again, you know, you have we have to in business solve problems and parking was one of our problems. So go ahead. We had an area in the back corner of the property where you had put some uh, shell Mm -hmm. and uh, to best utilize the shell. We knew that we had to be able to park literally bumper to bumper. And so we had if I remember right, it was probably five cars deep by about four or five rows. Right. And uh, so at the beginning of every shift, that's where I found myself. All right, I've got parking lot duty. So I'd go out there and I would flag all the team members as they'd come in. Now, the only challenge would be is if you happen to have to, you know, if, if you cut one and they happen to be number one out of the five, and now you have to move the other four to get that one out. Yep. Uh, so, uh, but it was it was all worth it because we had our goals that we wanted to reach sales-wise and, uh now we take those kind of numbers for well right now even it's different now with the whole corona uh virus but uh back then we were striving to reach that next level and anything that it took we talked about carpooling hey meet meet at each other's homes come together that would save a parking space because to us every parking space was numbers and it could have helped us to reach that goal so do you remember the uh the first goal the sales goal that we set yes sir what was uh, it it was ten thousand. it uh for the for a day right for, a friday or for us it would have been on a friday and i remember getting so close i mean we missed it by a hundred dollars we missed well at first you know a thousand and then we're striving and striving and let's sell more and more and didn't y'all i want to see more quesos and let's go didn't y'all ring up some sales one time to hit it 
Uh, there might have been one, yes, where yeah, we were so close. Like 50 bucks or something. That's it. Someone's taking it to go order. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that was our first goal. And then yes, our sir. next goal was 15, probably, and then 20. And Yes, sir. And uh, who would have ever imagined that, you know, we've hit as what? 50? Oh, yes, sir. 50,000 in one it's day a, at that location. It's amazing. Yeah. It, yes, and uh, what's interesting during this coronavirus uh, pandemic, uh, today's date is the, um, the 16th of April, 2020. And, um, our sales there are, are, are Phenomenal. unbelievable. Phenomenal that uh, we're doing the numbers we are in strictly takeout, and it's I, it, you know it's it's a very special location. I mean, it really is. It it's is. Uh, out of all of our locations, it's still number one in volume. And and how does that happen? It's never lost a year. Every year, it's been the number one location since '93, since it opened, and that's that. It's maybe, off of maybe that is our mothership. <laughs> <laughs> no, I will tell you. I've always, always, and anyone that knows me would know how much I'm always appreciative of the guest and the focus that we've always had on each guest. But with this coronavirus that we're going through, it's just rooted deeper. That's what. I, that's one of the things that I'm getting out of this is that now when a car pulls into the parking lot, where before, not that we took it for granted, but it happened all the time. I've got so much attention working curbside going, that's, there's another car. Like, what do they need? What can we get for them? Where do we lead them? Thank you so much for coming in. Uh, the, the attention, the focus, it reminds me of the story that you tell, that you turned on the open sign back in 93, and you waited for that first car to pull in. And, and I've always heard it. I've always related to it. But there's something about these times that the moment that phone rings, it just means that much more for, for us, especially yeah. there in, in, in the stores. Yeah, when I uh, think back to that day, and again, I, I know I've said this before, but uh, up until that point when I pulled that string to turn on that neon open sign, um, I had failed at everything I did. I mean, I, nothing, nothing I touched ever succeeded. And so uh, it felt normal. Failure felt normal. And so to do this, uh, open this restaurant, it literally forced me to have a paradigm shift and my focus was no longer about making money. And, and even today, I don't, that's not my main focus. It's about the delivery of a consistently high quality product and the people that, that deliver it for us and, yes, and focus on all that. And, and if you do that, it'll, everything else will take care of itself. Each I've, and every plate. I've always said that we're a top of the plate focus company and not a bottom line focus company. Yes, sir. Uh, if we can just manage our, our cost of goods and our labor, everything else will take care of itself. I remember the day that I was driving down 518 and, uh, because again, we, we, we grew up one street over. And I remember driving by and I remember looking over at the building that had been many restaurants before. And I said, they're painting the whole thing a bright pink. Like, wow, who's who's going to open that restaurant? It was a one of the brightest pinks that I remember. Sure enough, I remember you and Troy standing in the front of that building. And I said, the Yabar brothers, are they back? Because remember, I knew it from El Toro. And uh, so I was excited. And sure enough, I ended up stopping by and I, I, I spoke with Troy. Troy was there. And uh, he said, we're going to reopen under a different name. And uh, so I was excited. And we used to, my brother and I, I'd show up at the house. I'm like, hey, you want some gringos? And we, that we would be there and uh, got to know the staff. This was even before I started working there. Um, so we always yeah. enjoyed it. So from 95 to about uh, 2000, we had added on to that building six times. Yes, Basically sir. six times. We, uh, we relocated the cooler to outdoors. That's right. So we had more kitchen space. We added on a dry storage area. 
we built our first corporate offices there, which was basically just two rooms. Two rooms. And, uh, and then we extended one of the dining rooms out the front. That's right. We enclosed the uh, waiting area toward the front and built new restrooms. Oh, I remember and, when those restrooms, I thought we were in heaven. Yeah. I was like, wow, those are some awesome restrooms. So we did that over the span of five, let's say five or six years. And then I have a meeting with Davis Wilson, the architect. He's done a lot of, he, he designed Greenhouse Laporte. He did the remodel for Stafford and he's done some other work for us. And um, he came out to Pearland. And what we were going to do, because we had acquired some additional property for parking and we had thrown all new parking toward the back. We were going to come back and complete the parking in the front, but also remodel the interior of, uh, of that building again. But that building was originally built in 1980 and was never really, it was, it was const- uh, home construction quality and it was never commercial grade. So we, um, we were going to remodel it. But then I, I told Davis, hey, Davis, um, can a building, because we had the property to the west of us, I said, but Davis, can a, a new building fit right here? So do you remember that story? I definitely remember sitting in the office, and I remember when you brought it up, and Davis Wilson said, well, let's go look at it. And I remember looking at you going, whoa, did you just say we're going to put a new building? And so sure enough, we walk around. He looks at it. He goes back. He pulls out. It was a simple tool. What yeah, was it? A, they call it a scale. I mean, okay. it's like a ruler, but a scale. Yes, he pulls out a scale. He has a pencil. He had a sheet of paper, an 8 by 11, and he just starts drawing away. And in no time, within minutes, he looks at you and he says, I can build one. Yeah, he, he says, I, I can make one fit. I can make one fit. Let me tell you, we would have, if we had 10 feet of width, he would have made one fit. <laughs> yeah, I about dropped uh, because I didn't see that coming at all with your thoughts. But uh, and, and it's something the way things turned out. I just um, not that I was, not that we were throwing good money after bad, but I just couldn't see putting that investment in that building that was built in 1980. Yes, sir. In the year 2000. Right. And uh, so in 2000, it took us a while to build it. But in 2004 is when we actually opened and that was fun that was fun transitioning from the old building because we were shut down what two Two weeks weeks, two weeks two weeks to knock down the building i was there uh i I remember watching the building go down that building meant a lot to me that property if you think about it how many years that property gave me a check and and i didn't move much (laughs) it was right there that property you know when uh when our family first purchased that building was in 1980 Mm because gregory steakhouse operated there and he had a mexican restaurant down the road called gregory's Mexican restaurant. Yes, sir. And, uh, and, and the bank, Pearland State Bank, had contacted my father to see if he was interested in buying it uh, from Gregory. And so I remember the day that my dad and I drove to that property and we pulled up in the back of the building. And keep in mind, this building was only eight months old at the time. Right. So it was brand spanking new. And uh, pulling up to it and thinking, wow, this property is nice because it was nicer than anything we had at the time yes. under the El Toro brand. Right. And so. Uh, that was 1980. Who would have ever thought that uh, in 93, 13 years later, it would turn into a Gringos and then today be our number one volume store. Number one. Uh, Amazing. Amazing. It's almost like it was meant to be. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So um, what are some of the the best memories you've had of the company, Uh, maybe in what we've done for for our team members, our community. I, I know there's so many of them. There are. We, we, we'd be here all day if we start talking about, but there has to be one that stands out as being, wow, that's that's probably the most incredible thing I've ever seen. Quite a few. The Melin- There are a few. Um, you know, usually when I talk to people and I bring up the idea of what we've done for team members' community, 
Um, I bring up the Melinda Johnson story. I think that's amazing. I was a big part of that as far as talking to her. And uh, when we told her that we were going to take care of replacing her prosthetic leg, and then she made the, she she kind of did the uh, the what if, uh, you know, if money was no object. You right. had told me to ask. Right. I, I sent you with special instructions to yes, ask sir. Melinda because we were going to do the, the basic model prosthetic and that um, the top of the line, which was $100,000. And yes, it's actually a little more than that. It but, was. But yeah. 100000 um, You had asked her the question after you told her we we're going to do the basic model that if money was no object, which of the three would she pick? And she thought about it for a while. Right. Because uh, so there were some things that she could do. Absolutely. That was the part I'll never forget. One of her first responses is once I told her or she said it would be the waterproof one, the most expensive one. Right. And uh, when I told her, I said, OK, well, Russell told me that if that's the one that you want, then that's the one we're going with. One of the first responses she gave to me was unbelievable. I won't have to take it off when I shower. And I thought to myself, the simplicity of a shower right. and what we take for granted daily was a really big thing for her. And she's a single mom. And she's a single mom. And, and that was the next thing that she brought up was the, the activities, because she was very active in high school, and the activities that she'd be able to now do with her child. They loved going to the beach, but she never would go into the water because of the basic prosthetic leg that she had. Well, with this one being waterproof and programmable and robotic, I mean, it was just top of the line. Um, she was so looking forward to the activities that she'd be able to do with her daughter. And, and really, it changed her life, the daughter's life, because the daughter now saw her in a completely different way. You know, that, the, that was a big that was that was an awesome, awesome moment to be a part of. And uh, she works in our she, at the time she had worked with us for eight years. Yes, she's still with us today. And she, she works in our to, to go department. And yeah, you know, when you see job. someone like Melinda working in that area, you think to yourself, all right, everything's taken care of. I don't have to worry about anything. Right. You know, Absolutely. Every order is going out correctly. And, and that's that's how we're able to pay for that leg. Uh, that's so correct. this this leg, this prosthetic leg, it's called an Autobach X3. And it's uh, it was designed for the military, for, for the amputees that get injured with IEDs and everything else. Right. And um, I was in Germany. I was in Berlin two years ago, thereabouts. And um, and I was with Monica and I were walking through Berlin. And it's really cool because throughout the city, wherever the Berlin Wall was at, you can still see the, the outline on the ground. They left oh, those wow. there to show where east and west was divided. Wow. So we're walking through Berlin and... Uh, there's a building I look up and it has the big letters on it, Autobach. And I thought, well, hey, there's a German German company that makes right, those. Right, interesting. Yeah, but you uh, know, sometimes it's not the biggest impact. Obviously, that was a very expensive prosthetic leg. But there's also other memories that I have, and this is more personal. When I first moved into my home, I remember you asking me, John, what do you need? Well, I was going straight from my mother's home into the home. I kind of skipped the apartment phase. And so I remember looking at you going, sir, I, I don't have anything really. And uh, you told me, go out and get the nicest Maytag that you can find. Wash your dryer, and I'm going to help you out with that. And even though it doesn't compare to the prosthetic leg and the life-changing that, that that did, that moment still stuck with me, and it sticks with me today. And and literally almost every time I go in to wash <laughs> and I see the Maytags, I think about your concern and you're saying, hey, I want to help you out. I know you're getting into a new house. I want to be there. I want to help you out. And you made it a point, John, don't go in there and just get, you know, the 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 average. I want you to get the top of the line main tag. And I do. And they, they're still here. And 
So yeah. even even those kind of impacts where it's not necessarily the amount of money spent into it, it was the thought behind it that is unforgettable. And those are things that I still think about today. Well, and, and the way I approach life, and I think everyone should, is uh, it goes back to that saying, everything you do to and for another person, you do to and for yourself. Right. And so when I do that, to when I'm... When I um, give someone something or any kind of gen- uh, act of generosity towards someone, I'm really doing it to myself. Although I'm giving something away, I'm doing it to myself. And uh, the results, I mean, the proof's in the pudding. I mean, just look right. around. Uh, who would have ever thought that uh, a, a person that struggled in school, all I got was C's and D's. And I'm, I'm just saying C's to brag because I probably didn't get very many of those. <laughs> But, um, you know, I, I didn't go to college. Um, I just had to really just pay attention to habits of other people. You know, they say that, uh, you know, learn through the habits of others because you could or learn through the mistakes of others because you could never make them all yourself. And so I try to pay attention to what successful people do. I try to pay attention to what people who who are who fail, what they do and how they got there and why they got there. And when you start just focusing and paying attention to others, their habits, you start developing your own and you realize what works and what doesn't. I mean, they're just some laws of, of life. I mean, right. so yeah, um, that, that has been uh, the greatest joy of this journey uh, is the, how many people we've been able to help. Yes, sir. for sure. Absolutely. That's what, that's what gets me. Goodness. Up it, in it, the morning. it gets you up in the morning. It does because you know, whose life, or group are we going to affect that could be in the next week? You know, things that we haven't surfaced yet, but they will. And uh, usually I'm the one to go and talk to them. And uh, it makes everything worthwhile. Everything that we check from the food, the atmosphere, um, the service, everything that we do to make sure that it's on from day to day, it's all worthwhile when we're able to help and touch others' lives. Uh, There was an author way back in the 60s. I think his name was Timothy Leary. And, um, you know, he said that um, you never want your life really to become basically an assembly line of school, college, career, insurance, funeral, and goodbye. That's, and that's what happens if, if your only focus on life is stuff. And, and if your only focus in life is yourself. Yes, sir. You have to really um, just don't even focus. You know, if, uh, you can have anything and everything you want in life if you help others get what they need and want in their life. Absolutely. And, and that's the focus I've always tried to have uh, with everybody and everything. So, and, and again, you've, you've been a huge part of the success of Gringos. Uh, I couldn't say it often enough. And uh, I'm really excited about the future still. I mean, I, I still get up with excitement uh, knowing that uh, we're, we're impacting lives and we're still expanding at our, at our, um, at our pace. It yes, may sir. not be the fastest pace in the world, but that's okay. We want to make sure that we're on solid and sound ground. And I think because of that, um, this whole pandemic thing is a, is a prime example of how we would get through it. Absolutely. And actually a lot stronger. Uh, just to give someone a comparison, I hate to even share these numbers because they're going to think I'm crazy, but we were only down year over year, like what was it, 16% yesterday? Yes, sir. That is had insane. a great day. Yeah, yes, that's sir. insane. But anyway, well, listen, um, thank you for coming in and joining me. I do want to talk more about uh, your journey. Uh, I think you have a lot You have a lot more stories to share, but uh, 10 minutes turned into 26 minutes, so <laughs> I, don't, um, I don't want people to start turning me off and say, no, he talks too long. So anyway, uh, I want to thank everyone again for uh, I'm for, probably a big part of that. Also. No, 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 no. <laughs> All right. But thank you, everyone, for listening again to 10 Minutes with the Master Enchilada Roller, Russell Ibarra. And uh, joining to me today was John Fernandez, Senior VP of Operations with the company. 
And uh, we'll see you next time. So, John, thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me.